when I know that one customer is struggling and I know another customer that has really gone leaps and bounds to get their, his team to look into this and really come up with a good plan and they're working with the executive team, I always try to buddy them up so that one can learn from, from the other. Brought to you by Island, this is the Cloud Bytes Podcast, where we bring together panels of opinionated cloud customers, providers, and analysts to discuss topics related to how clouds are built, marketed, and consumed. Everyone has different needs in the cloud, so we'll debate the topic at hand, and at the very least, agree to disagree. Our goal is to provide good sound bites about how to manage your bytes in the cloud. And sometimes the best conclusion may simply be that the cloud bites. This episode is all about the concerns customers have with the ability of their company culture to adapt to the use of the cloud. My name is Brian Knudsen. I'm the Director of Cloud Market Intelligence for Island, who will be acting as our moderator for today's discussion. This episode's panel includes a great group of people with diverse company backgrounds. Let's start with having each of our panelists quickly introduce themselves with their current role and a soundbite of their initial thoughts about what is important when considering concerns about company culture in the cloud. Hi, I'm Damian Carlson. I work for VMware within the office of the CTO, focused on engineering innovation between us and our largest hardware partners. If I'm thinking about company culture and the cloud, I think it really depends on how a company is using the cloud. If they've just moved their traditional applications and virtualized them and stuck them in someone else's cloud, I'm not sure how much the culture would actually need to change. So I think it's really all about how much the company itself is changing in its adoption of the cloud, and not necessarily the cloud itself. Hi, my name is Jennifer Sosinski, and I look after customer advocacy and experience at HPE Technologies. My interest around this topic is really how I can better set up my customers for success. So thank you for having me, Brian. Hi there, I'm Scott Lowe. I'm the CEO at Actual Tech Media. My initial thoughts on culture and cloud are that it's all about risk, but it's not necessarily just a risk about moving to the cloud. There's also risk in not looking at cloud for certain things as well. Great to have you all here. Thank you for joining me. The culture a company builds over time is sometimes accidental and sometimes purposeful, but it is usually meaningful to the people in that company. It's what connects us as individuals to one another and defines the group's values and mission. So it's very understandable that people are concerned with the potential of that changing. Cloud is often used as a model for changing the dynamics of how IT and possibly even the business operate. Therefore, it's also very understandable that people are concerned about their culture adversely affecting their cloud adoption or that adopting the cloud could threaten the status quo of the company or a department's culture. Scott, let's start by discussing how a company's culture will affect the move to the cloud. What are important signs that the culture is ready or not ready for the cloud? Now, this is an interesting question because I think there's actually a lot of different ways to look at this. And if you look at just pure I want to move something into the cloud. I think you have to look at how an organization treats IT in general. If they see IT as nothing but a cost center with expenses beaten out of it at every turn, that's how they're going to approach any kind of a move to the cloud. And I think that also comes down to some risk as well. I mean, when companies are looking at IT as nothing but a cost center, a lot of times all they're trying to do also is minimize any perceived risk that they might have. So organizations that are considering a traditional cloud adoption, if they treat IT as just another, I don't even know what to call it, I guess it's just another cost center, and they're adverse to risk, they're probably not going to be looking at cloud and getting all of the benefit they could potentially get from the cloud. 
On the other hand, I think there's actually not necessarily just cultural, but organizational risk in not considering cloud. And I think organizations that are too risk adverse might lose critical opportunity and footing in the marketplace by not moving to cloud because their culture's not ready. The other piece of this comes down to the staff. I mean, even in 2021, which is when we recorded this podcast, there are still IT people that look at the cloud as a threat. I mean, this is, you know, the kinds of things we heard 10, 15 years ago when cloud was just coming on the scene, but they still look at cloud as potentially threatening their job. So there's an organizational culture aspect to this. And there's also an IT culture aspect to this. If IT folks look at this with skepticism and aren't on board, it's going to be problematic. If organizations have a misalignment of what risk means, there's going to be complications considering any kind of a migration to the cloud. So I think there's a whole bunch of cultural aspects that come together to determine whether an organization is or isn't ready to move to the cloud. I was talking to a good friend of mine who works at a former employer of mine, and I was asking him about how Kubernetes got into their environment and how things had changed And it actually got in the same way that VMware did years ago. You know, we stood it up in the corner and slowly moved things over to it. And then, oh my gosh, we're actually running prod on this. And now what do we do? So, you know, I think what Scott said really rings true to me. It really depends on how the company thinks about IT. If they treat it as just another cost center, if they're not treating them as a group of smart folks that you could work alongside in order to further the goals of your business, they are going to try to minimize risk. They are going to try to minimize cost. And there may not be any cultural changes. And I wonder if there's any parallels between how the company thinks about IT and how the IT people think about their jobs and threats to the cloud, right? Like if a company is closed-minded and just thinks that IT is just someone that they have to pay money to and they don't want to, maybe their employees would think the same and not be willing to take risks and not be willing to learn. Yeah. If IT is a necessary evil, you're not starting in a good place. Right. Right. If IT is a necessary evil, you should not be working at that company. (laughs) Agreed. (laughs) Not if you like your mental health. Jennifer, you talk to customers about this kind of stuff a lot, especially as they start to try to implement private clouds on things like SimpliVity. Do you see this kind of stuff? I mean, do you look at a customer sometimes and go, man, these guys are going to have a serious problem because of their culture? Yeah. So I think you both were spot on. I think it comes down to the belief in the technology. Cost is another huge issue. I think the fact that some people are afraid of the cloud is another huge cultural roadblock that people hit. I recently had a conversation with a customer on Friday, and he was mentioning that they are looking at adopting more of a cloud-based model. And he's actually concerned about his team, the manpower in the actual building. What happens to them if they do do all this cloud adoption? So I think that there's definitely an area where both sides of the house need to take a step back and kind of understand the other person's point of view. So was the concern that if the company's IT assets were no longer located in a specific place, then the employees might be let go or hired elsewhere? Yeah. So they wouldn't be needed. There might not be other projects, enough projects to make sure that everybody was 100% safe. So for somebody that leads the IT team that's doing all of the heavy lifting every day, that became a large concern for him. What you just said, Jennifer, harkens back to, they used to do a lot of writing for Tech Republic. And back in like 2008 or nine or something, 
I wrote just a couple of articles about things that IT should stop doing at the time. And it was simple things like stop fixing printers. The stuff that should be somebody else's problem so that IT is focusing on the business-centric value-add kind of stuff. And what I hear in these conversations, what I see every day still, is there are just so many IT departments stuck in legacy stuff that sometimes it feels like a jobs program in a way. And I I don't want to make that sound derogatory, but I don't think enough organizations place a premium on making sure that their teams stay not just current, but even just within the last five years. They train them how to do printer repair, and then they go away. So I think a big part of the culture has to be one of continuous learning. And that's got to be imbued in the organizational culture from the top down, where there's got to be curiosity. And if there's not, and you don't have people that are staying current with what's actually happening in the world of technology, they're going to have those fears because they don't truly fully understand that they don't have the skills to manage it. So they feel like, and possibly rightly so, that as soon as that migration happens, they're done because there's nothing else they can do. So to play devil's advocate, I think... The specific customer I was speaking to was more concerned about if we go the cloud route and we're freeing up all these resources from a people perspective, is the company then going to say, well, why do you need to keep all these people? So I think there's that element as well. Definitely. And that's one of the things that when we were talking about cloud, when I was a CIO, one of the questions my team would always ask is, will I have a job after this? And I guess that comes down to you know, business needs at the time. It's kind of a cold and calculated way to look at things. But unfortunately, I guess that's just the way it goes. I think that's just the maturity of how we interact with IT assets. I remember years ago, I loved racking and stacking and pulling cable (laughs) because it was central Texas and I could work in a climate controlled area. So I didn't sweat (laughs) and I didn't have any people asking me dumb questions, right? Because the data center had like a physical, you know, it had a lock on it, I guess, (laughs) right? Like (laughs) not just anyone could get in. So, but over time, like the need for those kinds of jobs has changed. So, I mean, if someone is concerned about losing their job, I would ask them or maybe think, to myself, like, why aren't you upskilling yourself? Why aren't you learning more? I mean, you know, the cloud does not just make every problem go away. It ends up exposing different problems. And so I think it's important that people remember that they have to adapt, right? I understand the concern, but I think it's also somewhat easily addressed. You know, I think there's a flip side to this. And as I mentioned, kind of briefly alluded to, we're talking about organizational cultural risks that might prevent a move to the cloud. But, you know, there's also a huge risk in not considering the cloud for certain things. I mean, in certain industries, obviously, like highly regulated industries, there's going to be a different calculation, you know, but think about running an exchange server on premises these days, just something simple like that. I mean, I used to love exchange. I used to love managing exchange servers. I literally wrote books for Microsoft on exchange. You couldn't pay me enough to deploy one today (laughs) because it's just dumb. I mean, unless there's a really good business reason or a regulatory reason, it's just literally server hugging at this point. So I think there's a point at which, even if there are cultural challenges, somebody's got to push through those to make sure the organization stay doing things, you know, that are smart. Because those, I mean, IT resources in most places are not abundant. And spending time doing things like deploying exchange doesn't seem to make a lot of sense these days. So there's got to be a point at which that cultural issue becomes a non-issue or is pushed to the side and somebody forges ahead. Yeah, and I think you are touching on one of the key points I advise people when I talk to them about moving to the cloud is the fact that keep in mind that you've got a pile of work you know you're never going to address. There's technical debt there that you'll never get to. And I had this in my days as an admin as well. 
not having to run around the data center and crawling under the floor and, and moving cables and deploying exchange servers and fixing printers means that you've got the time to now go work on those other things and do bigger, better things that are more meaningful to the business and therefore are going to make IT look more like a partner and less like a cost center like you all talked about. But I want to kind of shift over to kind of the the effects that moving to the cloud can have. We've touched on a few lightly and Damien, I'd like to go a little bit deeper into them as we think about when you move to the cloud, people start talking about Kubernetes, like you mentioned, and then that brings in visions of DevOps and agile development and things like that, that can fundamentally shift the culture. So can you talk a little bit about what effects companies should be expecting as they move to the cloud? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I actually think back to when I worked on the customer side and we were virtualizing all of our stuff and our physical assets became virtual assets. It required us to think about it differently. It's no longer a physical switch. It's now a magical switch that lives inside your monitor. And I swear it works the same, right? But like, it's different. And crossing that chasm was difficult for some of my coworkers at the time to understand like, it's now virtualized. So next question, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. And the same thing happens with the cloud. We get away from, or we can, depending on how things are set up and if we're writing our own applications or re-architecting things or what have you. I mean, you could absolutely lift and shift virtual machines into the cloud and not change a single thing. But we are assuming here that folks are beginning to break apart their applications into microservices. They're storing their data in different ways. Their backup and recovery processes are different, right? Like, so the cloud actually makes things easier, but also sometimes more complicated. You know, just if you think about observability, why is this thing not performing the way that I want it to? Well, in order to figure that out, you now have to look at all these different containers that have UUIDs instead of VM names. You have to look at ports and data and APIs. Like it just becomes much more complicated. So, I mean, the company's culture needs to adapt to that. If they're just lifting and shifting, I don't know if they're really taking advantage of much of the things that the cloud has to offer. They're just moving their money around, basically, and how they spend their money. They're just changing that. But you mentioned DevOps. I am by no means a very well-versed DevOps practitioner, but I have read the Phoenix Project. So it's basically like the IT version of going to WebMD and and then questioning your doctor. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What really struck me about the DevOps stuff, and, and especially a lot of the situations that arose within that book, is it just kind of boiled down to don't be a jerk, right? Like be an adult, work together, solve your problem, don't fight, you know? And, you know, even though we might chuckle about that, like that's a pretty deep thought, right? Because it tends to go against some of our normal human tendencies. And so adopting these new ways of looking at and solving problems and working with the business and working with engineers and and understanding the effects that your decisions make on the outcomes that you're trying to strive for is really important. I think you're right, though. I think it's about all the different teams coming together, seeing the bigger picture, and then moving forward in the best possible way for them as a team. And sometimes the cloud is absolutely going to be the best option. And then sometimes teams are going to have to give and take a little bit. But yeah, I think it's them coming together and and understanding the long-term needs of the organization, not just being very nearsighted. 
Yeah, I think personally, there's got to be some intentionality around a post-migration culture. And what I mean is migrating the workloads for some business reason is great, but someone needs to be charged with what else can we do? What else can the organization do? Like, how does this change things? I mean, we focus a lot of cloud stuff on things like digital transformation, where culture is a huge part of that. How do we kind of make that permeate the entire organization? And as we shift to more and more cloud stuff, does I don't think the role of IT necessarily diminishes because you still need people that understand how it all works. It changes, but it doesn't diminish. And so it feels like there needs to be someone championing in the organization. You know, again, it comes down to skills a little bit, making sure people are skilled up. And to a point, as people refuse to reskill, obviously, you know, we're going to end up with, you know, the old mainframe guys that they refused to look at microcomputers and LANs they eventually didn't have a skill set that was useful to the organization anymore. And I think that even as organizations make this jump, people have to take some personal ownership of their set of skills and make sure that they know things that are applicable to modern businesses. And as their companies move, it makes them more valuable in the long term. And that might be, again, a little bit cold. But again, I feel like it's one of those realities that people are going to have to take a little bit more ownership of their careers in some ways and not hope that their company does it for them by not moving forward. Agreed. Change is scary, but it's good. It is. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. I mean, people, it's just human nature. You know, you get comfortable in things. I mean, in fact, this is not necessarily cloud, but I was helping a client at one point just buy a new storage array. And the new one was a thousand times simpler than what they had. And the storage admin was terrified. He was convinced it was supposed to put him out of a job until the CIO and I at the time told him, no, but see this backlog of really kind of fun projects we've been wanting to work on. Guess you have time to do now. Right. And the organization took the time to make sure that he had the skills to do something else. And he spent a lot less time managing storage, but he was then able to become even more valuable to the organization because he took the time to learn what he needed to learn to do these other things. Yeah. And this is all really interesting because it, it does tie into a lot of the other concerns that we're talking about this season, particularly around the job security side of things, which we do have a full episode dedicated to. And in fact, this whole season kind of got born out of me doing surveys at a bunch of VMware user group meetings back in the 2019 timeframe. And as part of that, you know, I asked them about which of these concerns are the biggest concerns that they had. And job security was obviously pretty high on the list for the individuals. And I asked the question as from your perspective as an individual and your perspective for what you think your management is concerned about. So I kind of got two perspectives there. And when I asked, when it came to the company culture side of things, their perspective as individuals were that they weren't really concerned at all and ended up being really low on the list, but they felt that the company was quite concerned about it. And, you know, there's a lot that can be derived out of that. You know, I can make a lot of assumptions there, but Jen, I'm interested to hear from you first, kind of why you think the individuals weren't concerned, but their company was. I think the individuals research it more than the overall company. They want to put themselves in a position where they can be as successful as possible. They want to put themselves in a position where they're seen as innovative. So in order for them to do that, they have to go into it absorbing as much knowledge as possible. No, I love that. That's a great perspective. Yeah, that's a really positive view on it. Yeah, it's really easy to ascribe negativity to things. There's definitely, I mean, people try. I think most people want to succeed and they don't want to be 
just stuck in the same rut for multiple decades. And I wish organizations supported people more in that kind of stuff. And some of it still comes back to risk. I mean, you know, even organizationally, I mean, we're talking personally about the concerns around change, but organizationally, it's the same thing. You know, the adage, if it isn't broken, don't fix it, really permeates a lot of organizations. And that's what holds them back on a lot of transformation initiatives, with which cloud is a central component. So the organization's risk profile, I think, determines what the individual can accomplish career-wise inside that organization as well. And if you have people that are willing to push the envelope and can help an organization seed things differently, that's incredibly powerful. Yeah, I, I agree. From a customer perspective, too, I think that sometimes from, you know, the employee versus the executives, sometimes they feel it's just a buzzword. Sometimes they feel it's just a trend. Everybody else is doing it. Kind of, why do I have to do it mentality? Some of the more important factors I see when speaking to customers are they're not knowledgeable enough to know what you can and cannot do. And lots of them at times feel you can't just do a little bit. You have to be all in or it's nothing. Another fear is, or another need, is there has to be acceptance across the board for the entire ecosystem. And lots of times, not all departments are completely aligned. That's another huge roadblock. I see this mainly with higher to executive management. The actual IT people that I work with are usually a lot more gung-ho. There is still that fear sometimes about what does this mean long-term for us? But again, like I said before, they want to be innovative. They want to make their company successful so that they're successful. Looking at short-term versus long-term goals, my personal thought is you can't have a cloud adoption project if you're not thinking long-term. I could be wrong, but that's just my personal thought. If I look at lots of customers that I've worked with in the past, I've worked with a lot of healthcare facilities. One of their biggest concern is the data that they can put up in the cloud. So for them, the cloud is an extremely scary space. Most of them won't even entertain it right? because if the data gets out, they're in trouble. I mean, this is really sensitive data. Same thing with some of our customers that are in the aviation space. They just cannot risk putting flight patterns and all that kind of information into the cloud. It could be very detrimental if it got out. And then I think there's a complete other end of the spectrum as well, where you have those companies that thrive and foster innovation. They want to be very agile. They want to support the cloud adoption journey. They're very good at thinking about if I move why and change my process, I can see Z, which leads them to being able to see hopefully cost reduction over time. And then I think my last bucket of customers is where somebody like the CTO reads an article and he's just like, okay, I want it now. And he sends them off running and they build something, but what they built is not really well thought out. So then they end up with too many tools and a huge mess. But it is nice to be able to talk to all these different buckets and take my learnings from each one and hopefully help the group as a whole. Because I think when they actually take that step back and have those conversations with their peers, everybody's knowledge helps one another. Because I don't think the journey is, is, 
hard and cumbersome and scary as it is in reality. It's just that they need to be armed with more knowledge. I've got two things I want to mention based on what you just said. One is, I think a lot of IT people have been burned by C-level trend chasers. To your point about, I read it on a plane, so we have to do it now. And there's a lot of skepticism there because a lot of times those projects fail because they're not born of a true business need. They're born of wanting to keep up with the Joneses. And there's a real difference in how people approach those things. I think the other thing comes down to how organizations reward failure. If they, in any kind of a migration, I mean, even if you're just considering, you know, some SaaS offering that replace something on-prem, you know, if you try things and if it fails, you get punished and disciplined, you're not going to try things anymore. And you're not going to suggest things because you're going to be so afraid of getting beat up by management for having the nerve to try or suggest something that may not work, that it's a problem. But to your point about regulated industries, obviously the tolerance for risk is way lower And yes, if you do something that doesn't work, there's going to be some penalties and you have to be very careful. But in other instances, we've heard no good deed goes unpunished to try to help an organization move forward. It may not always work. And if your organization's first lever to pull is to fire you because you failed, well, you're going to be really careful and you're going to probably not want to make a lot of changes in your organization and just make sure you can hang on to your job. Yeah, I agree with everything that y'all have been saying. And, you know, one of the things that, that keeps kind of popping up in my head is, There are distinct differences between the culture and the way a company talks about itself and the way the employees talk about the company to each other and the processes that they follow. Like those are very different things, right? I feel like my job now has a really great culture and the processes are different. And I don't know if processes build culture, but culture absolutely influences process adoption. You know, if your culture is highly risk averse or punishes failure, trying new processes is going to be really, really difficult. (laughs) You know, adopting DevOps practices and procedures is going to be really, really difficult if everyone is just going to be pointing the finger and getting fired, right? Like you're not going to win. (laughs) Just stop, right? So yeah, it's interesting, you know, thinking about the differences between the culture of a company and the processes that they go through, especially if we're talking about moving to the cloud. I think that people make culture, not processes or executives. (laughs) No, that's absolutely true. And that's why I started with saying that culture can both be intentional and unintentional because I've been in organizations where the culture was very intentional. There were certain things that were laid out to define the culture from the beginning and norms that were defined that were actually enforced as if they were laws. On the other hand, I've been in companies where The culture seemed to shift depending on who was in the organization, showing that there wasn't a lot of strong push from the top to make that culture and that the leadership was very hands off in that side of things. So, you know, it can go either way. And how the business approaches IT can indicate how successful they will be with the cloud. And a lack of seeing IT as a benefit to the business can really harm things. Whereas on the other hand, a company that partners closely with IT will likely have a really good experience, both on-premises and moving to the cloud. And through all that, fear can be a big hindrance. And that's why I decided to make the season all about those fears, those concerns that people have with moving to the cloud, because these are real things that stop people from going to the cloud. As I work with customers more closely in the past, talking about virtualization, talking about cloud, sometimes they would simply just say, we're just not ready for the move. And that sounded more like an excuse than a reason to me. 
And that's why I was really excited for this particular topic. And, you know, as customers today are looking at moving to the cloud, I like that the conversation that you started, Damien, around the lift and shift strategy and how that can minimize the change to the culture, which is maybe necessary. That may be the first step that a company needs to take in order to get started in the cloud, to dip their toes in the cloud, to get to understand and get some of the benefits there. You know, maybe their biggest desire is just to get out of the data center business. And so a lift and shift strategy where you take your existing virtual machines and just simply move them to the cloud with minimal or no change means that you can get out of the data center, but still maintain a lot of the same culture and processes and procedures that you have today. And as you make that move to the cloud, you'll find that your culture will hopefully open up and get better communications across teams. You know, you don't have to fully adopt DevOps, but that's definitely one of the goals of DevOps is to tear down the walls and make people talk to each other better. And ultimately, everyone in IT is going to have to tear down the wall that we've built over the years between IT and the business, because we need to be very intentional as we move to the cloud and what we're going to have post that migration to the cloud to ensure that we all get the best benefits out of that migration, because it's not a minimal amount of work. It takes time and effort, and you want to have good results on the other end of it. So be prepared for the move, and many of those concerns will go away. Now, change is inevitable. We in IT kind of always know that we need to continually adapt. And being a proponent of the change, you know, embracing it quickly and early on can help you stand out to your business and the rest of the organization to really understand that, hey, this can be good and we can be successful with this. And I, as a person whose job is going to change because of this, am seeing the benefit of this. So as you're going forward, the most important thing, and I wanted to end with this thought that it really hit home for me is the fact that adopting the cloud should be a long-term plan. It shouldn't happen as a whim. It shouldn't just happen because everyone else is doing it. Make sure that the cloud is just step one of a plan. It should never be the last step of a plan. And I've seen many customers be very successful with that approach to it. But despite this great conversation, it is time to end this episode of the Cloud Bytes podcast. So thank you, Scott, Damian, and Jennifer for a great conversation. Also, thanks to Island for making this podcast possible. Please check out the episode notes, panelist contact information, further information on this topic, and all our other episodes at cloudbytes.cloud. You can also find our episodes on your favorite podcast apps. If you found this content useful, we'd appreciate you sharing with your friends and colleagues and rating us on those podcast platforms that you use. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Cloud Bytes podcast. And I think that's all I have to say about that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Forrest.